0: Everyone to the house of the Lord on this Wednesday evening. What a wonderful presence of God that is in this place. While we're standing, we want to go to the Lord with some miracle opportunities, some that will be posted on your screen. But let me also make mention of some that we need to remember Ronald Ford, Sister Nancy Moras, Barbara Lemons, Barbara Jackson, Gavin Davis, Andrew Head. If you here today and you know of a situation in your life or someone connected with you, why don't you just slip your hand in the air? Someone that needs the touch of God. Maybe it's a backslider. Maybe it's a physical need. Lord Jesus, we come today with faith in our hearts. Lord, we believe that you hear and answer prayer. Lord, you are our lifeline. You are the source of our strength. Lord, our faith is established in you and in your word. And we pray today for your healing virtue to be manifested. We thank you, God, for what you have done. But we also thank you for what you will do. We thank you for what you're going to continue to do in this congregation, Lord, as you reach backsliders. Lord, as you heal, as you provide, we're going to be sure to give you glory and praise. We're going to be sure to exalt your name, for you are worthy. Oh, hallelujah. Shall we clap our hands in adoration? To the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for he is good. Oh, God, we give you praise and honor today. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. What a good God. Amen, amen. Real quickly while you're standing, I'm not going to make you sit and stand uh, again for our offering, but please remember this Friday is our free coffee Friday. We're establishing this on the first Friday of every month. And uh, we, we need people to help. We're not just going to wait for them to come to us. But if you can come up here, uh, I believe around between 7 and 8, somewhere around there, we're just going to go and start handing up coffee. We got our cups with our logo, and we want to touch as many people as we can. So if you can help, please, after service, we have a meeting in the men's prayer room. Also, please remember this Monday, September the 9th, will be our all-church prayer at 7 p.m., There's a ladies' meeting on the 12th at 6 p.m. Also, we are doing Blessing the Badge on the 19th. We do this for all of our first responders, but we need people that will help us. So if you can help, please see Sister Dee Dee, uh, and she'll give you more information. Uh, Also, if you're interested in Purpose Institute, this is is how we're going to approach Purpose Institute. I believe that first... It should benefit the local congregation. So if you want to, for the spring semester, it's $100 a class. There's a sign-up sheet. We're going to give it about a month, month and a half, somewhere around there. If we have no interest, nobody, I know many have already gone through it, but if no one wants to participate, then we're going to cease Purpose Institute, and then we'll move to more of an in-house leadership-type meeting. Uh, But if you want to do it, we want you to do it. But if no one wants to do it, then we're going to cease that class. But please, if you want to, sign the sheet. Also, men, help us out. We've had a great success with our rotation on our uh, security schedule. Uh, If you are not able to cover your service, there is a calendar out back. And we're going to get copies and give you, each of our men, a copy. If you're not able to cover your service, please swap with someone. That'll help us out greatly, okay? Please swap with someone. Also, 55 Alive Choir practice 3.30 this Sunday. I'm not going to ask who's over 55, but you know if you're over 55. If you're over 55, we want you to be here for the choir practice, it doesn't matter if you can sing or you can't sing. Don't matter. We just want warm bodies. I call them worship decoys. We just need people to attract worshipers. No, it's going to be a great service. That 55 Alive takeover is the last Sunday of this month. We're going to have uh, Reverend Bobby Edwards pastored a long, long, long time in uh, Vider, Texas, a revival church. And uh, as far as I know, he's still scheduled to be with us on that Sunday. It's going to be a great time. Now, out in the vestibule, by month, month of September, all the activities are out on a sheet. Go by and get that sheet. That way you know what's going on for the whole month, and you can make plans accordingly. Because when you leave, you're going to forget this tonight. But we have sheets you can put on your fridge, and then you know what applies to you. We only for the sake of time I only tell you about a couple of weeks worth of stuff but we won't we don't want anybody to be misinformed amen now how many wants a praise report make the bones fat i believe this offering works this prayer works i got a phone call this week a gentleman who had over 120,000 miles on his truck and had all kind of problems with it. Stuff went out. Anyhow, it cost about $3,100 to fix. That's a lot of money. He got a letter in the mail. Said that his warranty had been extended and that they were sending him all his money back that he paid to fix that vehicle. Somewhere in here it says checks in the mail. I just believe it works. So if you have your offer if you have our prayer on the screen, if not, I have it right here. We're going we're gonna to get this memorized. All right. Pray it with me. Upon the authority of your word I have given, and it shall be given to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked, and the curse is broken. We receive, I live under an open heaven. Pour out upon me such a blessing, there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, and royalties received. My whole family will be saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. All that I do will prosper in Jesus' name, amen. All right, continue to worship as they receive our offering.
1: I'm going home with Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. I've made my reservation for a mansion in the sky. I may not know the moment and I may not know the day. But I know that I'll be leaving when he calls his church away. Well, I'm going home with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. I've made my reservation for a mansion in the sky. I may not know the moment and I may not know the day.
0: The bride of the light gets. Scripture says that we're going to be saying, Behold, come quickly, Lord. There's something about life when you're young, you can't wait to grow up. I remember as a little kid, I, I know this sounds crazy. When, when you're young, you got your whole life to live and you want to graduate high school, and you want to get married, then you want to have children, then you want to have grandchildren. It's just its part of humanity. I'll never forget, and I was, I believe it was 1999, 98 or 99, and we had been saving as a youth group and working because we were going to take a trip to San Antonio. And for me, that was a big trip. in the youth group, that, that was one of my first big trips. And it was on Pentecost Sunday. We were leaving between services on Pentecost Sunday. And we were going to be gone that week. But for some reason, this is just burned in my memory. And I remember as Pentecost Sunday kept getting closer and closer, my pastor, he'd say, wouldn't it be great if God just came back on Pentecost Sunday? And and brother Lord I wasn't I'm not trying to be carnal I was I was 14 or 15. I thought, "No. I'm going to San Antonio. We're leaving Sunday and I'm going to Six Flags." And all that morning I sat in service waiting on God to come back. God, if we could just get through this service, we could go to San Antonio, God. I mean it is crazy. But you know the older people get They start loving where they're going. They're living for God more than where they've been because the light is getting brighter and brighter. I remember speaking to one precious elder who was, her husband was in a nursing home, and, and he was just a faithful soldier of the cross, very tall, quiet man, but just as gentle as could be. And she was there with him in the nursing home, and he really wasn't that sick. She was feeding him. And she was in the middle of feeding him. And she looked down to get some more food. I believe it was food. And she looked at him, and he looked at her, and he goes, going up. And he closed his eyes, and that was it. Now, what a way to go. Going up. One of these days, everybody's going to say, I'm going up. Oh, I can't wait till we hear the trumpet of the Lord sound. Well, praise God. If you have the word of the Lord, we're going to go Book of Daniel, chapter 6. We're going to begin reading verse number 16. Lord really dealt with my heart this afternoon. I want to minister and help someone in this place today. Scripture says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Now, I want to focus on just a couple of words. Verse 16 says, Then the king commanded, They brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, you got to look at how words are arranged. A den of lions. Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. Now, if grammar is not your forte, you're, gonna, you're not going to get this till I explain it. A den of lions, not a lion's den. So I want to preach tonight, whose den are you dwelling in? Whose den are you dwelling in? Lord bless you as you're seated today. I would venture to say that one of the most notable stories of the Bible is about Daniel facing the lions and how God delivered him with no harm. It's been rehearsed and taught throughout Sunday schools across various denominations. Parents have talked about it with their children because this story certainly builds faith. It strengthens those that are going through difficult times and various trials, and it serves as a tremendous testimony to the power of God in the life of a believer. There's so much to be gained from this account of God's faithfulness. Daniel was a man of integrity and the power of god was able to deliver him we could talk about the fact that everyone here will face trials or we could also focus on the one who will bring us through every trial that we face for just like daniel we could also survey the pages of our of your life's book and we can find those moments of despair we can find those moments where you were doing everything right yet you still had to visit a den. You weren't spared the heartache. You faced it headlong, but you stand today as a testimony of God's keeping power. But the question today is not for a child of God. The question is not, will you have to dwell in a den at some point in your life? That's going to happen. But the question that we're going to ask today is whose den will you dwell in? Whose den will you find yourself in? You see, most people refer to the story as Daniel and the lion's den. But that, if you pose it that way, it shows the lions having possession of the den. And in this setting, nowhere do you read the lion's den. Because the lions are the enemy. What does Scripture say? That Satan walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The lions did not own that den. The lions did not have possession of that den. That den is owned by one person, one person. Being and that is the Lord God Almighty. You got to understand today that your den may not have a lion in it, but it may have difficulties, it may have financial hardship, it may have despair, it may have problems. But that thing you're facing doesn't own that den. But the God that brought you through it, the God that brought you through every difficulty, the God will preach a little while tonight, the God that saw you through every trial, the God that healed before, he's the one that owns that den. Even in Job's difficulty, his den of disaster, God was still in control of everything in his life. You see, God allowed things to happen to produce something greater in Job's life. And here's what we struggle with. Sometimes God allows what his power can prevent. He allows it. He doesn't send problems. He allows problems. He didn't send the lions. He allowed the lions. You can't see the fullness of his power until you first see the fullness of your problem. What does the, Bi- the Bible says? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It didn't say it wouldn't be formed. It said it wouldn't prosper. We don't want it to be formed. But you can't see the power of God unless there's first a formation of a difficulty the formation of a power. You have to understand that God allows things that he could prevent, but it's to serve a greater purpose in your life. God allows things to promote you, not to punish you. Job understood that I may not not figure this all out right now, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he has tried me, See, everybody's faith has to stand trial. Everybody's faith has to be tested. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. you gotta, you got to understand that God knows exactly what's going on in our lives. See, your exit is just as certain as your entrance. Daniel 6 and 16, Then the king commanded, And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Notice how it's posed. It's posed as an imperative statement. He didn't say, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, will he deliver thee? This is the king. He's not asking Daniel, Are you going to come out of this? He's declaring, Daniel, that God that you serve, he's going to bring you out of this. I've come to declare the same statement. I don't know what you're facing, what difficulty you find yourself in, but God will bring you out of it. you got to make up in your mind. I may not be able to avoid it, but I know that God's going to bring me through this thing. Even Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. That was the humanity of God appealing to the deity of God. That was the man, Christ Jesus, appealing like we do in prayer to the Spirit of God and said, hey, I did my flesh, don't want to go through this. I'm, I'm human. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You got to have a nevertheless moment. You got to get to that point in your spirit where you say, God, if there's any way to get me out of it, I won't out. But if you choose not to bring me out right now, if you choose not to remove this cup from me, then I've got all confidence that you're going to bring me through this trial. I got all confidence that you're going to show yourself strong. I've come to encourage someone in faith today. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy still comes in the morning. That song still going to rise. The rays are going to penetrate the dark clouds. Abraham, just as sure as you go up that mountain with your son, you're coming back down. Jacob, it won't be a small struggle with an angel, but you'll be tested, and your life will forever be changed. David, the cave called Adam, won't be permanent, but it will serve a purpose. Jesus, the wilderness is the first place you have to go after your baptism. But when you walk out, you'll walk out in the power of the Spirit. Set your hearts at ease tonight, Wallace Ridge, for the end is just as certain as the beginning. Just as sure as that, as that den was opened up, just as sure as that rock was rolled back, and Daniel went in that den, God knew that just as sure as he's going in, he's going to come out of this thing. You've got to remember that David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're not going to avoid our enemies. God's going to make a feast in the middle of them. The valley of the shadow of death. Shadows are always bigger than their source. And we get scared at the size of the shadow. And we ignore the size of the source. And the devil wants to magnify the size of your situation. He wants to magnify the size of that impossibility. He wants to make it seem like there's no way it can work. He wants that lion's roar to be so loud that we just say, God, there's no way I can do it. But he said, I'm I'm not going to fear any evil. I'm not going to be scared to death over what's happening because my God will bring me through it. Amen. With God... You're never shut out. You're always shut in. Out, if God was to ever shut you out, it would indicate God's not there. The Bible says that a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. No way out. If there was ever a way to escape, Daniel would have took it. But he was placed in a situation that he had no control over. You know where faith comes into play? When control leaves. Because as long as you can control it, you don't need faith. As long as you can manipulate it and make it be what you want, you don't need faith. But when you lose control, that's when faith kicks in. And you have to trust that God's going to take care. Look at Genesis chapter 7, verse 16, speaking about Noah. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. God was trying to transition Noah from one phase of life to another phase of life. From one dispensation to the next dispensation. He didn't shut Noah out. He put him in a situation where he didn't have a way out. He didn't have a way of escape. And he had no control other than to do what God told him to do and trust that it was going to be sufficient to withstand the storm. And God, when God's trying to transition you from one realm of faith to the next, it's usually in the form of a situation that you don't have control over. And you have to trust that everything you have done to prepare for the storm is sufficient to weather the storm. You're shut in, but you're not shut out. God puts us in situations that serve as vehicles to transport us from one realm of faith. Opportunities often look like insurmountable obstacles. David could have never, he could have never testified of conquering Goliath and having faith in God if he wasn't first willing to stare Goliath in the face and realize that this is it looks like an obstacle, but it's really an opportunity for the God of Israel to get glory. It's an opportunity. See, your perception determines your position. How you view your den of difficulty determines whether you become bitter or better. You have to ask yourself, who owns this situation? Is the enemy controlling this situation? Or is God sovereign enough to control the outcome of this situation? Either you're going to dwell in a lion's den or you're going to dwell in a den of lions. It's all in how you view it. If we did an honest assessment of our prayer lives, I think we'd be amazed at the percentage of prayers that are aimed at problem reduction. See, we pray for comfort instead of character. We pray for an easy way out instead of strength to make it through. We pray for no pain when the result would be no gain. We try to pray out of pits and away from lions. We don't want that. Nobody nobody prays for the greatest trial of their life to happen when they wake up in the morning. It's not how we pray. We're conditioned to pray it out. But when you're praying it out and trying to get rid of it, you're also trying to, you're getting rid of the very avenue that God's trying to use to develop you into something greater. He's trying to develop you. This is what Paul said. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now this this verse messes with our minds. Because we measure everything by time and pain. You go to the doctor, they have that, at hospitals at least, they have that chart. It's the pain scale with the smiley faces and 1 through 10, and they, they'll ask you, "Know what's your level of pain? We gauge things by how bad they hurt. We gauge things by time. And Paul said Our light affliction. Now, let's look at everything Paul went through, and yet Paul is going to call it light. Everything that Paul went through, we we haven't been through anything like Paul went through. But Paul said that that light affliction, which is but for a moment, because even if you live to be a 100, a 100 years in comparison to all of eternity is is a snap of a finger. It's but for a moment. But he said that light affliction does more for you for eternity than all the good that happens in your life. All the money you got, all the positions you have, all the good things, they don't do for you what your affliction does for you. Because that affliction, it molds you. It shapes you. It makes you. I used to talk to the Lord and say, God, I just, why don't you heal some people? I, if it's up to me, everybody. I'd heal everybody. And the Lord just kind of nudged me and said, because if I healed some people, I'd never hear from them again. Because their affliction is with their lifeline to him. Their afflictions what's keeping them in contact with the Lord. And God would rather your soul make it to the other side and spend eternity with him than to heal your temporary body to make you happy. You know, your perception of your problem determines a lot about your situation. There's a man who wrote a book. His name is Victor Frankl. He was a Holocaust survivor. He wasn't in the big concentration camps. He, he was in the rough little tiny ones. All of his family was killed. He wrote a book, one of the most thought-provoking books, called Man's Search for Meaning. Everything that they had, the Jews had, was taken. They took their clothes. They took their food, their pictures, any personal belongings. They even took their names and gave them a number. His number was 119104. This is what he said. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, which is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. He made it through all of that, and they took everything that identified him, on the outside. But the one thing they couldn't take was how he viewed his circumstances. How he viewed that trial and the trying of his faith. You can can choose to live as if the enemy is in control or you can choose to live that God's in control. I was at a church one morning praying it was probably 30, 7 o'clock. And I heard this faint noise, kind of like, ah. I thought, well, that's weird. I just kept on praying and heard it again. That kind of spook you out when you get to church early in the morning. So I went towards the direction, I went out the, door and there was a it was a glass big piece of glass you could see in there and I saw a lady in there and her back was to me and I said oh she's in there working you know and went back in there and I was praying a few minutes later I heard goodness, what is this? It was a Friday morning. And I went around in there, back out in the hallway, and I looked through that window. And she saw me this time. She didn't see me the first time. She saw me this time. And she said, oh, praise the Lord. I'm so glad somebody's here. And I'm trying to talk to her, and I said, sis, what's, what's wrong? Well, the room she was in used to be a nursery. And it had one of those split nursery doors where the top, you know, you can leave the bottom shut and the top will swing out. When I got to looking, the handle was laying on the outside on the floor. And I looked at the door, and she's talking to me. She said, Brother, I came up here yesterday afternoon to pray. And she said, I didn't realize the door was broken in a locked position. And I shut it, and it was locked, top and bottom. And she said, I didn't have my phone with me. Luckily, there was a restroom in that little room. It was a little bit bigger than a jail cell. And she said, I didn't know what to do. She said, I tried to get the lock open, and it fell out. So she had took a pen, and started whittling away at that door. And she put a good chunk out that door. So she took a bulletin board, and she scribbled on there, help been locked in all night, put it in that window. And so through the night, she just flicked that light because there was a window outside of the church, and she just flicked that night. And the secretaries were gone on Friday, Saturday, and so nobody would have been back to the church until Sunday. I said, if it had been me. I'd have thrown that rocking chair through this glass, and I'd have told the church to send me a bill. I'm not staying tonight in this church. I mean, that's just me. You know what? To A lot of people, that would have, have scared them to be locked in the church all night. This is what she said. She's said, sweet, sweet, precious lady. She said, I've been wanting to draw closer to the Lord. I just didn't know it was going to be like this. Now, you talk about perception. It's how you view your difficulty. You, nobody can take from you how you view your situation. Nobody can take You alone are going to choose, am I going to view this as a negative or am I going view to this, view this as God trying to make me into something better than what I was? How do I endure the lions or the den of lions? Here's how. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Stand with me all over the building this evening. Daniel, God didn't prevent the den of lions but he did deliver you from the den of lions. And when Daniel was thrown in that den of lions, you know what? The only option he had was to wait on God. We don't like that. I don't like waiting for fresh French fries, much less waiting for a month or two. But God will allow situations to come into your life where you have zero options. Other than to wait. Every time I've tried to get ahead of God and try to fix it, you know, the fix it. I didn't fix it. I made it worse. Because we view everything through a, faint, a, a tainted lens. We judge our situation based off what we know, but not off of what we know tomorrow, next week, because we don't know that. And our prayers are then tempered by what we want, what we think is best. But you have to wait on God. In the latter years of an eagle's life, its feathers grow old and they begin to fall out. Its beak grows dull and his talons become blunt. He can't fly as high as he used to, nor can he tear the prey with his beak or grip the prey with his talons as he did before. Instincts tell him to fly high into the mountains. He finds a cave somewhere or a den, and he just sits there all alone. It's there in that den that he'll begin scraping his feathers, his beak and his talons on a rock, a hard place, a difficult place, until he completely scrapes them away. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. It's a painful experience. And he simply waits. The eagle knows through instinct that his feathers, his beak, and his talons will grow back. And when he comes out of that cave, he stretches his wings. He's got a new beak he's got new talents he's got all new feathers and he flies higher than he's ever flown before that's why scripture says they that wait upon the lord they shall renew their strength that verse is not in there by accident because god knows how he designed the eagle he's got to bring you to a den He's got to strip you of everything that was once identified you and your own strength, and he's got to make you wait. But in the fullness of time, when you come out of that den, you're going to come out better than you were when you went in. I feel the ministering spirit of the Holy Ghost here. Why don't we lift our hands all over this building? I don't know where you find yourself tonight, but I know this much. God is trying to make you better than you've ever been before. God is trying to strengthen your heart. Don't try to rush the process. Don't try to take it into your own hands. But you got to say, Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. These altars are open. Maybe the Holy Ghost is trying to strengthen you today. Why don't you come and just spend a few moments at this altar? And tell the Lord, God, I'm going to wait on you tonight. God, I'm sorry if I tried to rush the process. Come on, God knows where you're at. And God's in control of that situation. God's in control. Don't think the enemy's in control. He's not. God is in control. God knows where you're at. Oh, as they begin to sing, why don't you renew that trust in God? Renew that faith in God. Oh, precious Jesus. We trust you today.